This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your hub for everything, Milton Keynes-Dons. Second episode of the week for us, um, as mentioned in Thursday's episode, we are doing a bit of a deep dive into the Dons accounts and also previewing Charlton, which is uh, tomorrow's game, uh, Stadium MK, second of, of this week. So, uh before we get started, Joe, how are we? Yes, yeah, all good. Looking forward to... Uh, I don't think many people uh, would say that they're looking forward to getting stuck into a 28-page <laughs> financial statement, but I, for one, am. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can um, learn some things from it for about the past year or so. Yeah, we decided to do this because, as, as you can tell, not only is Joe really, really excited to get into it, but also with, with how the club accounts have gone previous years, a lot of people don't really understand them. A lot of people think we lose ridiculous amounts of money every year. Um, so hopefully this sort of segment gives the general Dons fan and general listener a bit of an understanding as to how our accounts are actually run and what this year's accounts actually mean. So, uh, Joe, do you want to get second to it? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I guess the first place to start is turnover. Um, turnover is all the money that the club makes, and that's in various forms. Um, so a lot of the time I'm going to be comparing it to last to the season we're going to be looking at is the entirety of the season where we finished third under Liam Manning. Um, but of course, that was with Russell Martin in, in the summer at the start of the year and then Liam Manning finishing the season, of course. Um, and it's going to be compared to the season of COVID where we had all the games behind closed doors, where we finished mid-table 13th. Um, so, I mean, yeah, turnover, that's basically all the money that the club gets in. Through the through the gates, um, through TV money, and through things like that. Um, so it was up significantly, and I think you'd expect that. Um, not quite double, but a significant amount. It was up, and that's largely due to, um, of course, you know, having fans back in the stadiums, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, it was an increase of sixty eight percent. So we went from three point eight million in the previous season up to six point four million, um, which is actually quite quite good for us um, we've not had it that high in a, in, in a little while um, in terms of match day receipts you know that's the, where the, we've made over two million more in that regard so that's basically where the money came from um, but just to break it down um, so we made uh, 2.8 million in terms of match day receipts um, 
commercial income was 2.8 million as well and so that includes the money from the efl and the money and the tv deal and then other is the seven is seven hundred thousand. now i'm led to i think that the other may be things like um concerts um events going on at the stadium i may be wrong but I, I, that's what i'm i'm believing i believe that that would that other will be um so yeah like you can't really um complain too much about that um and it's to be expected. And I think that 6.5 million figure is it, it's higher than it has been actually in recent years. Um, so obviously you had the COVID year, then you had the first year back in League One, and then you had a League Two season. So, um, and, and as you go down the leagues, uh, into League Two, the TV money is much, much less. Um, just to put that into perspective, Ipswich's income was around, I think it was 14 or 15 million for the last season. So just to put it into perspective where we are, you know, Ipswich about two and a half times bigger than us, just in terms of revenue alone. Um, and I think Charlton were maybe eight million or so. I think theirs came out, didn't they, Liam? Um, and I think Bolton as well. Theirs was slightly higher than ours. I think it was um, as well. Just, just you know, for some ter- uh, comparisons. Um, I, I guess the other big one that people would be interested in is the wage bill. And I think Liam, this is where I'm going to come in to you for this one because. Um, that COVID season, that mid-table season, um, behind closed doors, we actually had a wage bill of four point. Uh, in total, staff costs were four point nine million in total. Now, you know, fans are coming back in. We were going to be able to, well, not quite fill the stadium, but you know, we we're going to be able to actually get some money through the turnstiles. Um, our wage bill actually dropped by five hundred thousand. So the year that we finished third. We actually spent less than the year we finished mid-table. Um, we our cost went from four point nine million to four point five million. Um, so that will include bonuses to players as well, I'd imagine, as well as wages, you know, goal bonuses, that sort of thing. Um, so, so those staff costs it includes uh, all staff members of the club. So it does include people, you know, like the kit men, the people who work in the back offices in the club shop. Um, so that's that does include that so it's actually quite surprising that we actually uh dropped the weight you know you, if anything actually you would have maybe thought that the wage bill would, we would be increasing that um but no we, we cut the wage bill um i think maybe that might as well have been to do with things people like kieran agard um that he left the season before so you had maybe some big earners that were left over who then we were able to shed i think we did shed quite a few senior players didn't william um absolutely yeah and I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, do you think this is maybe a trend which we might see when this season's accounts come out in the fact that we had a pretty decent season in under Russell Martin. We had playoff form for half of it. Are you surprised that actually the wage, and, and I know we did really well last season, don't get me wrong, but actually almost, you could almost argue that the success last season came in spite of this staff cost because essentially... It left us with no squad at the end of the season, and yeah. a lot of it was reliant on the loans. So actually, you know, the wages were very low, but it's almost like we're suffering the because of how much we've had to rebuild the squad that we were almost suffering from the lack of investment in in terms of a squad. Would you? How would you assess that? I think for me, and if we're looking ahead to next year's accounts, you know, you can see what's happened this season in terms of we've spent you know a fair amount of money on permanent transfers 
And I think, you know, the mentions about on towards the start of the report, how the club have made the decision to invest in younger players in the accounts as published. And yeah, you could say the same will be for this season. You know, the likes of the signing of obviously Dawson Devoy, Dara Burns, et cetera, et cetera, Jack Tucker also. So you know, I think I think we can definitely expect to see a increased cost compared to the season we're looking at right now in terms of um, just player acquisitions and player transactions. Of course, we'll also expect to see um, a decent amount of money also coming back in from the players we've already um, we sold previously, whether that be add-ons that we've earned or things like that that could potentially come up. So, but obviously, I think the main surprising thing with the accounts we've been shown today is the fact that you know staff costs, as you mentioned, are down fifty-nine percent from that previous year, despite the turnover of staff. Literally, the day well, pretty much the first day of the season or the, or the game game after the first day of the season. So, and of course, I think a, a major thing, of it, and I'm sure you'll agree, Joe, is that there are a lot of loans in that squad, wasn't there? So, and I know I'm sure we'll talk about the correlation between um, spending money on transfers and the correlation between that and league position and, and wages in terms of loans and league position also. But I think overall, we're looking at a squad there who... We just was a was a high impact squad in terms of loans in this season. We may we may see a similar like staff cost in terms of where it's at now in terms of percentage wise for me, but ultimately we'll see a a differing match day income of course of how the teams played this season and how how many people we've seen at Stadium MK this year, and as well as the expenditure on on players and potentially staff also because obviously more staff may be needed to run the stadium at full capacity. Uh, unlike maybe that season potentially so yeah it's an interesting account um, and it's good to see that we've got that comparison of well and pick that breakdown of where we finished and and those staff costs and match day income yeah and, uh, and this is what I mean I think that you know we did finish third and we we finished third with this with this lower budget but I think it's just the fact that our squad was so threadbare and patched over perhaps with real top quality loans, which is fine, really. But I think it just created the need for a big rebuild in the summer because we didn't already have that base squad, um, you know, of, of players. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned there about the percentages in terms of... Um, so, in, in football, um, Kieran Maguire, who's absolutely fantastic, if you're into this sort of stuff, by the way, um, on Twitter, he... Um, he always talks about wages as a percentage of turnover. Now, in football, it, it, people will be surprised here that have how ludicrous a business is in terms of most football clubs in the in the EFL. They actually spend higher than one hundred percent of their turnover on wages, and you know the owners make up the rest of this. Now, in the COVID season, that rate for us was one hundred twenty nine percent of so our of our turnover we then spent 129% of our turnover on wages. So obviously this money comes from the, the group that owns stadium, group that owns the football club, which is essentially the hotel and the stadium. It, they're all part of like the same uh, uh, company, which then helps boost up the football club because the football club doesn't traditionally make money year to year. And what we actually saw this uh, last season uh, where we finished third is actually we saw staff costs as a percentage of turnover drop massively to seventy percent, and I know I know that's so that means for every one pound that we get through the door, with seventy p of that is going out to a staff member. Um, normally it will be a player, you know, um, and I think that is actually 
to be commended in terms of accounting wise and sustainability i think that that sort of thing i guess is what we want to see isn't it Liam? i know we want to see i know we do i did have a little moan there about oh well actually our wages dropped but actually having 70 percent of our staff costs as a percentage of turnover that is actually very good comparatively to the rest of football and to still actually high achieve in that season it was it was quite impressive really and i, I guess that can be commended right absolutely i mean i've, I've heard cowrie drives a, pr- a pretty hard penny in terms of his wages uh week to week so i'm sure he's part of 70 percent also and a high percentage of it also but no i mean i think i remember seeing these accounts year on year and it was i, I think it's been 150 percent at one point joe so the fact that we're yeah now at the point where we're actually um well, making money. And yes, obviously you can look at, look at that from the 5.4 million um, roughly that we got back from obviously profit on player registration, which is i.e. Uh, player sales. Um, that obviously contributes massively to it and obviously helps us out in terms of our operating loss of 1.8 million. But ultimately it's it's a lot of, uh, it's much more healthier profit and loss sheet when you look at it overall. Um, and of course the aim is to achieve that moving forward and get to the highest leagues possible. Um, of course, next season won't be as lucrative, um, I imagine. Uh, I think it'll still be, we hope it's will be in profit, but we'll see what happens there. But overall, yeah, I think it's very pleasing to have, in particular, that, that wage bill knocked down a lot. Um, and I think, as mentioned, I think it will remain fairly similar next season. Um, maybe slightly higher, but ultimately the club's getting more sustainable and it's trying to show a model where you know, that can be followed by other clubs in League One and ultimately what they're trying to follow in terms of the likes of, as I mentioned previously, the likes of Brentford and other clubs up there who have achieved what they want to achieve in terms of getting to the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just hinted on it there um, in terms of the operating loss, but actually the ultimate profit which we ended up making for the year. Um, so the operating loss is essentially just the day-to-day business of the football club. So that is, you know, get all the turnover which we talked about and then the operating expenses um so you've got in in the operating expenses you have the uh, player wages and then you also have uh, things like uh running the electric you've got tax you've got uh paye you've got um buying the bibs buying the football pumps you know all this sort of stuff and so on the day-to-day running of the club we actually lost 1.8 million now, I worked that out, and that comes to, um, here we go, I can't do it off the top of my head, uh, £34,000 a week the club is losing. You know, and, that, and this is essentially, you know, where it comes to why we're doing what we're doing, because as you've mentioned there, the, the club has shown a £5.5 million profit on player registration. So as you say, in the transfer market, um, we made £5.5 million profit, which resulted in overall a total profit for the club of £3.6 million. Um, it actually was a bit higher, but the, there's 500 so this, this is another thing just to bear in mind. The club have got a tax bill of 500 k essentially, <laughs> um, because you know that, that you, you get taxed on this profit as well. So I think you know it is important to remember that when we do get these transfer fees, there is also tax involved. Um, but I guess, I've, you know, so that is one good thing to see. And that operating loss was down from the previous year. So previously we had an operating loss of 2.8 million. And then we had a profit in the 
transfer market. So this is the COVID season. So you think these are the sales of Reese Healy. Um, I think Scott Fraser may have been included in this one as well. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. So that season we had two point one million in uh, million in terms of profit in the transfer market. So that made us go from two point eight million loss to a seven hundred grand loss. Um, this year, however, we went for a one point eight million pound loss, and then after the transfer market, that's turned that into a three point six million pound profit. Now, in terms of I guess everyone wants to know about the juicy transfer business, don't they? Um, and so with that, the the player registrations, it shows us how much that is the profit which we made. So it takes away the cost from which we bought them. And those 5.5, uh, 5.4 million in terms of the uh, player registrations, that came from an original 378,000 outlay. Um, so I think we can guess who's in within that. So that's going to be your Matt O'Reilly on a free transfer. That's going to be, yeah, Scott Twine potentially. Um, <laughs> I think Scott Twine may make up the bulk of that. Um, um, Scott Twine, um, you've also got Andrew Fisher, Harry Darling in there, potentially David Kasumu. Um, and then the season before um, we made the 2.1 profit, that would have been, as I said, Eurice Healy's. Callum Britton, I think, would have been that as well. Maybe Sorinola, if we got any compensation for him. Oh, no, I think Sorinola's compensation would have been in this 5.8 million here. Um, so that's just one thing to know. Um, another thing to note, just in terms of the transfer front, is, you know, I think everyone, you know, in the summer, they were thinking, oh, yeah, we've got five, six, seven, eight million, however much in transfer fees. Um, in terms of money being owed to us, the club lists its debtors. So that is who does who owes the club money. <coughs> and there's a total amount of 5.2 million that's owed to the club within the next year. That is mainly in the form of transfer fees, but it's also stuff like direct debits for season tickets. There is also a section at the end that is an amount which we're owed after one year. So that will be this up, upcoming summer. Now that's 2.4 million. So I, I suspect that that is going to be um, add-on, uh, not add-ons, sorry, but it's going to be installments from transfers that happened this summer. So I know that on the face of it, you know, we've seemed like we got a lot of money in the summer, but it's showing over two and a half, it's showing two and a half million that hasn't actually been paid to us yet. And this is very normal in football for clubs to spread transfers over. You know, hardly anyone will sign anyone for say a million pounds and pay one million pounds that day and just bank transfer it across. It just doesn't really work like that. So I think there's just one thing to bear, bear in mind when we think about how much we actually spent in the summer because well, we didn't actually have that cash in our bank. So, um, so yeah, that's positive to see. Um, we can also see that I think 500,000 was spent in the transfer market. Um, so that would have been the January transfer market. And then also, um, it would also would have been the summer window. So, I mean, who, who would have that included, Liam? That would have included, um, I mean, to be fair, did we sign? Did we actually sign any players in the summer, really? Because most of them are loans, weren't they? Yeah, so this is Mo, Mo we signed last summer. And um, and then Scott Twine we signed because that would have been a compensation amount. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's basically the transfer situation. So essentially, the and that 2.4 million is installments. So in the accounts, we can only see money that is guaranteed. 
So there may be more money in terms of sell-ons down the line. And also if, um, you know, say Celtic win the SPL or qualify for the Champions League, we might get a kickback from that. Scott Twine getting promoted. Um, we, we may get a kickback from that. I'm not too sure. Sometimes there's um, clauses that might be linked to appearances, etc. Um, so we just have to wait and see on that. But it's just, um, I think that's just really positive, isn't it, Liam? That it's clear evidence of the last two years over eight mil, uh, well, pretty much eight million in profit being made from the club um, in the transfer market. It shows that, you know, while we may have had a sticky situation this season, um, I think Sweeten's shown in, and even shown in this January window, he, he's not too bad at what he does, is he? Yeah, I suppose in that 500k um, bits would go to Harry Darling's uh, instalments, I imagine. Obviously, the loan fees for uh, Connor Coventry, which were, I imagine, pretty steep in January. Um, of course, Theo Corbenu, who came in from um, Wolves on loan. So, some chances there that could potentially have impacted that. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think those accounts overall are very positive. Um, as you can imagine, I think it's the most positive accounts I've seen from the club in in quite a few years, to be fair, but I suppose that just shows, you know, despite operating on a considerably lower, lower quote-unquote budget than we traditionally have done, especially in terms of staff, the team over, well, definitely overachieved in terms of league position and almost got to a championship where, you know, we may, we probably would have got battered. Um, and I, I know Pete talks about keeping Twine, keeping Darling and all that, but I think even then you'd need such incredible depth in that squad to get anywhere in the championship. But um overall yeah really pleased with the accounts looks healthy um and i think as joe mentioned i think we're set up to be a lot healthier in the years to come also yeah absolutely and um just another you know couple of just notes just to round it off i guess um there's a thing called amounts owed to group companies listed in the account now this is essentially money that mk dons own to the the group of companies that owns um the stadium and the hotel because essentially they underwrite all the losses uh, for the football club and there was a shift of that of 750,000 so it looks like around 750,000 so it looks like some of that money has been repaid back to the group that owns the club um, also in terms of tax we've got one point I think it's one point yeah 1.159 million in tax due um, within the next year and then deferred income as well um, I'm not 100% sure what that is actually listed as. That's 1.5 million. So that may be money that we've actually, um, you, sometimes you can factor money so you get it sooner, um, but you pay a premium on that. So that may have been, maybe we, we called in some of that transfer money a bit early um, and, and, and exchanged the debt, so to speak, uh, with the bank. It's quite common in the Premier League if, if there's a transfer for 50 million, for instance, you can go to the bank and get that 50 million instantly um, but then you pay, you know, percentage penalty on it, essentially. And then when the football club then pays you, you pay back the bank. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's just given a, a bit of an insight into how the club did last season. And yeah, I think overall we are becoming more sustainable. I think a lot of people want to look at it as Pete being tight. But at the end of the day, we're not the ones putting the money in our pocket. Uh, taking money out of our pocket so to speak and I think that at the end of the day it's a it, it becomes a more uh, attractive prospect for a buyer because I think Pete in the last few years Pete's made no you know real 
he's not really tried to hide the fact that he's open to someone else coming in, but it has to be the right person. And I think that showing this latest set of accounts, showing that one, the profit uh, from transfer model has worked for us. Um, I don't know who's going to buy anyone from our current crop of players, mind you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that might be a little bit more difficult. Um, but I think it, it's shown that actually, you know, on a lower budget, if you do things correctly with a good sporting team in terms of, you know, the, the support staff, you know, Liam Sweet and Liam Manning, we all know, did a fantastic job. Russell Martin also would have contributed heavily to building that squad. Um, it does show that you don't have to just spend more to get more. Um, and also, I think as well, it's teams like Ipswich, I think they're losing like more than four or five or six times more than what we do a week. It, that's And people expect, you know, if we lose out on players, that Ipswich maybe end up signing. People then get disappointed at that. You know, I think people wanted us to maybe go for someone like George Hurst in the summer. Well, you know, Ipswich got him for like one and a half million when he was on loan at a championship club. Um, that's just the level that they're at. And unfortunately, we can't compete with that. And until we have someone that can come in and I think um, the Ipswich owners pumped in over 10 million just to keep the club running and help invest and, and things like that. Until we have an owner that's willing to do that, it would be stupid for the club to just spend willy-nilly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall, it, as an accountant, you'd be really pleased with those figures. You know, it looks really good. Um, but as a football fan, yeah, no, you always want more, don't you, in terms of, you know, spending more money. But ultimately, we didn't spend more money and we got success from that. Um, and I dare say that actually in these late, in the counts for next season, which is currently this season, I'd imagine we're actually spending more, Liam. Absolutely, yeah. Not gonna, we're not going to be finishing higher than third, I would have thought. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, and yeah, say so I think it's always interesting to look at them because obviously this time in what, 12 months time, we look at the accounts again, it'll be like, oh, I remember how bad we were and like how much we spent, money we spent and how terrible it was. But yeah, let's maybe listen back to this this time uh, next year and a uh, bit perspective maybe. Uh, but we'll take a short little break and then we will dive into Charlton. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back. Um, Charlton at home, obviously the second game of the week at Stadium K. Um, obviously we're recording this uh, pre-Cheltenham um, Towns. So hopefully that game was not as positive, got three points there and made this game a lot easier because uh, Charlton are no mugs in this league. Um, and hopefully I can give you a bit of insight as to what they're like this season so far. So... Uh, yeah, 10th of the league at the moment. Um, pretty even record of 1-14, drew 13 and lost 14. Um, and in terms of that, 
terms of away perspective, they've won six, drew six, and lost eight. So I believe that's about bits of about mid table. In terms of the away form, um, and scored twenty three away from home and conceded twenty seven. So yeah, basically around just under two goals a game for their away form. So do have goals in there in games when they see them like that. So yes, yeah, so the Charlton have changed gaffers since we last played them at their place, which uh, felt like ages ago to be fair, and, and midweek on a Tuesday. Um, new gaffer is Dean Holden. Um, obviously, I know a man who was linked with the Don job for a little while whilst uh, it was vacant when Liam Manning left the, the club. Um, had an okay start to his life as charter manager. Um, definitely tried to implement his style that he did at Stoke and done at other previous clubs, like Bristol City, for example. Um, he's won eight, drew four, and lost eight. So, like the league position, to be fair, very, very pedestrian, very on the fence, um, averaging 1.4 points per game overall since he's joined. Terms how he likes to play his Charlton team, um, very much a 4-3-3 team, uh, from from what I've seen anyway. That hasn't really changed much since he joined the club. Um, and ultimately, they're designed to hit teams with pace on the counter-attack. So I think very similar to ourselves at the moment in terms of how we've managed to go six games and beat in the league uh, to this point. Uh, definitely their midfield is where you'd look to, I think, see some really, well, some familiar players, of course, but also players that really like dominate the game. So, of course, Scott Fraser, um, George Dobson and Albie Morgan um, all offer different elements to the team, I'd say. Uh, Dobson definitely for his hard tackles and his 11 yellows for the season kind of in, in influenced that but they all have a creative eye uh, particularly Morgan and Fraser um, as, as sort of being could say eights to be fair um, but maybe sitting deeper in that in the original formation but the fact that all of them have got 14 assists combined as a trio in League One this season kind of shows their importance as a midfield three um, and obviously they've scored a lot of goals recently as well so that, that influenced that also Um also, in terms of their forward line, so a player who will be fairly familiar to Don's fans this season as one that probably should have been and could have been, uh, Jezrin Ratsaki. Obviously, he played in the reserve, reverse fixture for us, but uh, for us against us, sorry. Um, but 13 goals this season for the Crystal Palace winger. Um, kind of says, and he's a top scorer, I believe, also. So that kind of says to you how impact, impactful he's been this season. Obviously, up for a uh, young player of the season for League One in terms of the EFL awards, also. So, very talented player, very tricky. Um, obviously, him, him, and him and Palace have had an interesting relationship this season from some of his comments. But very talented lad, I'm sure, will be in the championship next season. And they've managed to get another a young striker from their youth team, um, the famous youth team, of course, in in Leeburn. Um, he's got 11 goals this season, also, um, for a young lad. So 24 goals between two of their forward men, um, is is fairly impressive. Um, and you know, one or well, two players that Don had to keep an eye on, particularly Raksaki, with their threat on the counter attack. Probably my last point on this is how do we beat Charlton? And it's 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 a difficult one. I think obviously a very good team. I think you look at previous examples as to how like Bristol Rovers beat them and teams action have caused them problems. Um it's ultimately a bit like how you'd stop a Russell Martin Don's team is just stopping them playing through the lines, um, making sure their midfield free can't thread balls through to Raksaki, uh Lieburn, as mentioned, or whether it be um, Tyrese Campbell, who they recently signed in January, or another player like that, who could be on the wing and obviously get a Dons defensively. Because as we know, we've had defensive issues with Harvey out for the season. Obviously, Jules is carrying and like knocks here and there. So what's happening with him? Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be hard for us to implement a, a five back effectively. Um, and especially going against this front three. And I think traditionally with Dons, whether it's been a front three against a back three, it's always been a bit of an issue. Particularly with um, whilst he is great, Lewington there. So 
that's a bit of key for me. Um, limiting them on transition and just limiting them on shots. I think recently they've been scoring lots of goals and as you can imagine, um, when you're scoring lots of goals, you have lots of shots. So whenever we've seen um, Charlton drop points or lose games is when they've been limited on their shot count and been limited to set pieces. So whilst Dons aren't the best defenders at pieces at the moment, um, I hope they fix that this week, but maybe allowing those tactical set pieces and limiting their transition in terms of the pace they have on the wings um, could be a could be a key sort of strategy for Mark Jackson. Um, and finally, whilst it's a bit frustrating to watch sometimes, I think you have to utilize Jonathan Lecco in this game, particularly on on the wing and his creativity. I think whenever we've seen Charlton play this season, their their weakness has been sort of defending the the wide areas. Um, so it's a shame we don't have the likes of um, Sully Kai Kai available and someone like Dan Harvey available. But I think Jonathan Lecco kind of has to be given the freedom of the pitch of this one just to show off what he can do. And hopefully he can create one or two chances where the likes of Mo, uh, Max or Will can get into the box and um, put one of the chances away because I think if we can't do that, I don't struggle to see us breaking down this chart one side, but ultimately I think we're giving ourselves a tough task against a team who are top 10 for a reason um, and you know probably can't challenge the playoffs. But I think if they had a few more few more results and develop, probably could. Yeah, I think I think it's a really good summary there, and it, it encompasses a lot of what Charlton are about. And I think they've almost had they've had like almost three parts of their season because that's the first part where they started fairly okay, and then they just went like really crap, and and then Garner got the sack, Dylan Holden came in. Um, I don't think it was a secret as well that the owner was looking to try and sell the club. And um, one thing that we saw from Dean Holden straight away was some amazing attacking pressing play and like you said their front line and their midfield is so athletic and it's so uh, combative and they just get stuck in and one thing that he's really done is embrace the youth in the team you mentioned about Miles Lieburn well I think it sums it up perfectly when you look at they were playing with Jaden Stockley for the first half of the season Miles Lieburn comes in he's got the 11 goals I don't even think he's started more than sort of 15 games or so and he's I think he's an absolute unit at six foot five something like that anyway um, then you say the same with Raksaki. Um, uh, he, he's been pretty consistent throughout the season. Um, Tyrese Campbell, you mentioned he signed, they signed him in um, in January, and I think you're being confused with the Stoke Tyrese Campbell. Ah, maybe I am actually. Yeah, good point. Because good point. This Tyrese Campbell is Tyrese Anthony Tupac Shakur Campbell. Of course, how did I forget? Yeah. What I think it's got to go down as one of the best names in football potentially. <laughs> um, whether he's one of the best players in the league, I'm not quite sure yet. However, Based off his goal record, probably not, mate. But No, no. But, but the, I think this just goes to show what Dean Holden's trying to do. And he's trying to instill that youthfulness and their, a, a good, really positive style of play. Um, he's also dropped Wollacott, I think, who was in goal last time we played and put in a, um, a fairly younger keep, fairly young keeper in Maynard Brewer. So, yeah, I think he, he's not afraid to, you know, throw the kids in, essentially. And it's really paid dividends for them. Um, one thing that I would say is you say, how can we win the game and what can we exploit? Um, Ryan Innes, um, that's <laughs> one name for you there. Um, the, the central defender got sent off in the, in the, um, in the, in the reverse fixture. Um, this season, he's had four yellow cards. Yeah, nice and tidy. Three reds. Um, he's received in the last, uh, in league, in the last three seasons, he's received five red cards. Um, he's, he's only played well quick maths there we go 63 games um, 
so he, he is um yes certainly a, a character a feisty one um it, we've seen him be a solid really solid defender on the edge of his box but if you turn him because he's i think innes he's like six six isn't he Liam? something like that yeah he's tall lad he is yeah he scored a couple of goals this season i presume they're from set pieces um, and they've also got michael hector and um, the 30 year old formerly of reading um former chelsea player of course as well um and fulham he played 40 games for fulham in the championship so they signed him in January and he he's looks like he's really made quite a good impact as well. But one thing you wouldn't say about that centre-back pairing is pace. And I think you say the wide areas, if we can get those wide players coming inside, um, you know, I think Wickham, I think um, Leco in the Wickham game, we saw sometimes, you know, when he actually came inside and got one-on-one with someone like Joe Jacobson, who is a great defender, don't get me wrong, but maybe doesn't have the pace that he used to it became a problem. And I do kind of fear that it may work the other way on us as well with Raksaki lining up Dean Lewinson every time he's, he's coming for the ball. I think um, Zach Jules or uh, whoever's going to be playing on that left-hand side, it's going to be, uh, they're going to need to be on it. Let's, let's say that for sure. But um, yeah, overall decent team who on their day, they've, they're, they're so lively and they can get anyone, but they've thrown in quite a few stinkers as well this season. Um, so, like you said, their record just pretty much just shows they're just inconsistent. <laughs> and I think you're going to get that with young players, though, to be fair. Absolutely. We know that for sure, mate, of our team. Um, and yeah, funny enough, one of Innes' red cards was, of course, against us in a reverse fixture. So, um, hopefully, he can uh, repeat the back to back red cards, which would be pretty impressive if he could do that. And it'll do us a lot of favours for sure. But yeah, I mean, that, that sort of brings the end to the episode the episode of our bonus episode for this week um hopefully you appreciated the account breakdown and uh, hopefully you can get yourself to charlton tomorrow night for midweek game um and until then come on you mk dons the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds however When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.